Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It, it Just, just makes, makes Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And on this week's episode, I'm continuing this Kids Behind Bars, Life or Parole. Yeah, can we get the name right this time? Because you said the name right of, wrong of the series almost the entire episode last time. I did? What did I call it? Mm, kids Who Kill. Oh, that's also a show, though, on ID. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> this one's Kids Behind Bars, Life or Parole. Season 1, Episode 3, Preston. Oh, we're going back in time. It's the same season. I know, but you did four last time. Oh, yeah, I'm going back. And this is a little bit of a different take than what we talked about last week's episode. Okay. So let's dive in. It's March 4th, 2010. 17-year-old Preston Shavers was one of three teens involved in the murder of Christopher Pitchcock. Mm. He was sentenced to life in prison at 17 years of age. This is okay. the story of what happened. Okay. Also, once again... Preston's middle name is Preston. His first name, I think, is like Timothy. And so it was confusing at first, but I think I got them all. All right. So in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, Dave and Elaine Pitchcock were home when they, um, when their son Chris received two phone calls that they heard on March 4th. On the phone, they could hear a voice coming out that was saying like, come on, Chris, come on, let's go. Um, like, you have to meet us out. So Chris got up to leave. And when he got to the door, he turned around and like said goodbye to his parents, told his dad he loved him. His dad told him he loved him. And then Chris left. And that's the last time they would ever see their son. Alive. Really? The next thing you hear is a 911 call being placed. There's reports of a car like going out of control and it crashed into a residential garbage can on the side of the road. The caller that called 911 is stating that they think that the person driving the car OD'd on drugs and or something and that's what was causing him to lose control of the car. Oh, I was like, how do they just make uh, – how can they just tell? Right? I know. Like I don't were, know. If they were in the car, I guess you could – well, they said that the driver was like drifting in and out of consciousness. Oh. So at this point, I think the car was like crashed oh, and the okay. person calling was like, something's going on. Okay. So the EMS arrived and when they did, they did assume that it was an overdose because there was drugs found in the car. Um, the driver had stopped breathing, but that's when EMS noticed that he was bleeding and he was bleeding pretty profusely and he had injuries that were consistent with gunshot wounds. Oh, jeez. So the path of the bullet went through his ribcage, his right lung, his diaphragm, his liver, and his heart. That was all in one shot. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's like the last episode, remember, it went through her foot into her chin and into her head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so crazy. These wild bullets just tearing people up. So the driver of the car was Christopher Pitchcock. The cops had no idea who did this. But Chris's dad knew right away. Really? That's what he said. He said it was Tyree Washington. And he was like, it's clear that's who it was. All you have to do is look at who his last call was. And that's how he got the name of Tyler. Um, But I do feel like his dad jumped to a little bit of conclusions. Like, why? Just because he was like, well, I heard him on the phone telling him to come meet him. It has to be the last person that called him. Uh, But at the same time, it's like, 
I mean, I don't know if it was the one who shot him. I'd say it's a lead, but I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't say yeah. that it was necessarily the guy that shot him. So the police bring Tyree in for questioning, and we see all of the interrogation videos in this episode. So they start off with just asking Tyree exactly what happened. Okay. And Tyree stated that a guy had called him needing um, three ounces. So Tyree called Christopher and because Christopher was Tyree's supplier. Oh, so they were drug dealers? Correct. And they were in high school? Yes. Got it. Tyree and Chris drove around the block and smoked some of the weed. They then showed Tyree talking to his grandmother in the interrogation room. And Tyree is telling his grandmother he doesn't know what he's going to do because if he doesn't tell the police the truth on what happened, he could go to prison for life. And he's like crying. He's like trying to hold it together. And then all of a sudden, like his grandma asks, obviously it's not out of the blue, but like edited, it seems like it was. Okay. And she's like, did that boy have a gun in my house? Um, And then it just like flashes off. So after the shooting, the police department had found two. Wait, so that was Tyree's grandma? Yes. And she asked if the other kid. She just said like, did that boy have a gun in my house? But they don't really say who she's talking about. Yes. Okay. Um, After the shooting, the police department had found two. Is this how you say guns? 357 Magnums? But they say like point three five seven. Yeah. Three hundred fifty-seven magnums. I hate yeah. guns. <laughs> <laughs> they found those in the neighborhood, just like screwing right, them yeah. out. So the police are back to asking Tyree who was with him and um and what happened that night. He said he it was him and Kyle Whalings. So now they bring in Kyle Whalings for questioning. So this is the third boy. Correct. Right away in the interrogation video, Kyle has his head down on the table and he's saying, "It wasn't my gun. It was my grandpa's gun. It wasn't my gun." But the police say, um, the police are like, I know it wasn't your gun, but you were fixing to use it, weren't you? And he is like, no, the plan was to just rob him. Oh. So in the news, this spun out to be a story of like a robbery slash drug drug deal deal gone bad, right? Mm -hmm. Kyle and Tyree were involved. They were very good friends. But there was a third assailant that was also involved in this, Timothy Preston Chavers. Okay. And they were going to set up. Um, to buy some weed and then rob Chris. So the police kind of know, they think they kind of know what happened, right? Like that's what they're piecing together. They know who was involved, but figuring out who actually pulled the trigger was becoming a little bit more difficult. Like who actually shot Christopher. So they bring in Preston and they show Preston's interrogation video and like immediately right off the bat, I hate him. Why? Like, he's kind of sitting there like he could care fucking less. Like, this is such a waste of time. Why am I here? And, like, he's just an asshole to the police. Like, they start asking him. Like, they're like, okay, you know, we have the gun. And he kind of smirks and goes, all right, you got the gun. Keep the gun. Take it to a shooting range. I don't care what you do with it. I don't know nothing about a gun. Wow. Like, he's just kind of a dick. And then, um, and then he kind of shrugs and goes, all I got to say is he's dead. But the police followed up with, like, but why? Like, why did he die? And when they say, like, well, why did he die? He goes, I don't know. I guess a bullet must have hit him. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't give two fucks. Dick. Yeah. So the police point blank said, like, why did you shoot him? And he goes, look, man, I don't know nothing. And they said, do you wish you could take the bullet back? And then that's when he goes, oh, so you think I shot the gun? And the police were like, I do. And he just kind of nods his head, like. 
Okay, fine. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. So then um, he asks for his mother. So they bring him his. They bring in his mom, and it's finally like when his mom is in the room that he starts to cry and at least shows like a little bit of emotion. Okay. And his mom asks him what's going on, and Preston just says like I'm facing life because somebody got shot, and he says like the gun just went off, and she goes, "Are you?" telling me that you just that you killed somebody and he goes yeah she asked him that in the interrogation room what an idiot i know but like can you imagine if your son just said that to you right or that you have to even ask that question like are you telling me that you killed somebody like you Uh, know what i mean like again why would she ask that in the interrogation room you know it's being recorded she asks what he told the police so far and he looks up and points to the camera and they were like, well, they just heard everything. I can't fight this anymore. What? It's so dumb. Isn't that wild? Dumb. So Chavers is then arrested. Um, and we, found, we find out that Tyree had called Chris to set up the deal. And then Kyle Wallings went into his grandfather's house and got the gun and gave the gun to Preston. There's like so many moving parts of this, and right? So many different names. Yeah. They The boys then lured Christopher to a place where they could rob him, but a fight had broken up because someone had tried to reach into the car and take all the marijuana, and Chris started to fight back. So oh. that's when Chavers just started shooting the gun off. Wait, so Chris was going to sell them drugs, and they were going to steal it, not Correct. buy it. Okay. Yeah, and rob him. Got it. Um, and one shot hit Christopher, and it was a fatal shot. Oh. So the trial begins... And Preston was found to be the one who pulled the trigger. But Kyle Whalings and Tyree Washington were charged with principles to murder connected to a felony murder. Yeah. That, so this must have been before felony murder went into effect. Yeah. Because, I mean, felony murder is if you're part of a crime that results in a, a death. Yeah. So they weren't charged with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, it says, so the law reads, if someone dies in the commission of some other felony that you're committing, that you can be accountable for that murder. But so because they were committing like a, a um, felony right. robbery that ended up in a murder, they're okay. also so this is for felony that murder. felony murder. Yeah. Got it. So they're all charged with murder, and they were all the sentence for all of them was mandatory life without per, the possibility of parole. Tyree Washington was sixteen, Kyle Whaling was sixteen, and Preston Chavers was seventeen, and they began serving life sentences in two thousand eleven. And if you remember, in 2012 is when the mandatory juvenile life without parole was viewed unconstitutional. So were – did they plead out or did they, were they convicted at trial? They were convicted at trial. Okay. Could you imagine being sent – like being sentenced to life in prison in 2011 and then in 2012 is when they ruled that yeah, mandatory juvenile life is unconstitutional? That Kinda suck. sucks. Yeah. And if you remember from the last case, there is a statute of limitation clause, but it seems like they would kind of fall. They have the time to do it. But wait, this one's in Florida. That was Texas. Right. It's still the same because it's the felony. Statute of limitations. Remember? Yeah, but the last one was the, the Texas State Supreme Court. It wasn't the it wasn't federal. Oh. Then I guess it doesn't apply. I think I just wrote that in there myself. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But after eight years in prison, all three boys have been granted resentencing hearings. 
Okay. So these hearings could make them eligible for parole. So obviously that one year didn't exist if they oh, after yeah. eight years. <laughs> Good one. I'm so smart. <laughs> uh, but Christopher's family is, they're pissed. They believe those three boys are murderers and they truly believe that they let any of those boys out of prison. They will do it again. I feel like this case is a little bit different than the one last week because like in that case, that guy was convinced that the father was abusing this girl and he was right. helping her. Right. He like these people, like these three boys set up a robbery and even though it was a robbery gone wrong, like you know what they I mean? They did it of their own they free did it, will. Yeah. And they planned it. And they brought it. a gun with them. Yeah, they planned it. Yeah. So Preston, um, oh wait. So Preston Chavers is the first to be resentenced. His family believes that he deserves a chance to be redeemed. He was the one that pulled the trigger though. Correct. They, like, his family says it wasn't a murder. It was a robbery gone wrong. They even go to as far to say that Christopher didn't die because of Preston. Because Preston is some evil person who wanted to brutally murder someone. Like, he died because it just happened to be a robbery gone wrong. Hmm. It's like, but... I don't know about that. Right. So now Preston is on our screen and is here to talk about his life now. Okay. He said, prison is restricting and sad. Um, Like, there's a presence of evil and death amongst the prison. He says a lot of people believe that he's um, cold, but he's that's not true. He said he's not a bad person. He was a 17-year-old kid. And he feels like he's worlds away from who he was, and he thinks he deserves a second chance at life as a free person. Why? Because he's changed? Yes. And kind of explain how. Okay. So Robert Early was assigned as his public defender in the case, and Robert believes that he can help Preston. He thinks that when Preston pulled the trigger to take Christopher's life, Preston also took his own. At 17, he was an irrational young man who did something stupid, but it's not fair to say that anybody is forever broken. So in this sentence and hearing, they'll be able to show how he's grown and become a better man. And if you can't be redeemed, then there's no point in a criminal justice system at all. So Chris's family is planning on being at the trial and ensuring that none of them get released on parole. Okay. Christopher's father is kind of like, this is kind of haunting. Like his, his father looks directly at the camera while they're interviewing him for this show. And he says, Timothy Preston Chavers, you're a cold-blooded murderer. Tyree Washington, you're a cold-blooded murderer. Kyle Whaling, you're a cold-blooded murderer. And then it just like ends. Who was the one that got the gun? Kyle Whaling. Okay. So Kyle and Tyree's family agree that their sons aren't innocent in this, but they don't believe that their sons are murderers because they said they the boys hardly knew Preston. He had lived in the area. For, I disagree immediately. Right. He got the gun. Yeah. He had the intention already. Right. And that's what they say. Like they say, well, Preston had lived in the area for about a month and they believe if Preston hadn't been there, this never would have happened. Oh. But hmm. I say like, I don't know, man, Kyle's the one who brought the gun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. But apparently Kyle had told Preston to take the bullets out and not take the gun loaded. They wanted to bring it just to scare Christopher. Oh. But then why would you give him a loaded gun to begin with? Begin with, yeah. Take the bullets out. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just weird, you know? Sure. So now Preston's attorney drops a bit of a bomb. Yeah? He says that Preston grew up in a home that was straight out of a horror movie. That it was an atrocity and it made him who he was today. So Robert Early started looking back into how the development of a person who committed the crime affects affects the crime. 
When Preston, with Preston, the strategy is going to be to show that Preston suffered trauma, which affected his ability to control his impulses, and that should be taken into consideration. Preston's father died when he was three years old in a tornado that came through Alabama. And from that point on, he never had anything really stable in his life. He says himself he didn't have a normal childhood. He was extremely poor, and his mother was always on drugs. He started off at pills, and it led to heroin. Sometimes she would get angry, and there was a lot of, um, like, beatings um, and whoopings with leather belts. They didn't have much food, and at one time he said he even ate some rancid food, which made him throw up, and then his mother made him eat the puke out of a bowl. It's always the mother's fault. Right. He said the only time he was happy was when he was in school. He was the class clown and that he liked being around other kids, but... He was also getting fights in school when other kids would make fun of him or his clothes or his mom. Mm. He was nine years old when he was sent to his first juvenile detention center. Nine years old? Mm -hmm. Jeez. So now Preston said he literally spent most of his formative years in juvenile detention centers. And these violent centers is where um, he was fighting with other kids daily. And at the age like 11 and 12, it's where he was learning most of his social skills. At one point, he ended up going to the Dozier School. Have you ever heard of it? It closed uh, in 2011 due to ruthless, ruthless beatings, sexual abuse, and even murder. Yeah, it sounds familiar. The Dozier School. Yeah. yeah. They even have like a gravesite on on property of all the of like children who've died under their Seriously? Care. Yeah. That's wild. It was like it had to be shut down. Like federal, it was an atrocity. Wow. And Preston reported um, that he was chained to the floor for days at a time and left without food or water. He said growing up in an environment like that and getting out at 15, he wasn't taught how to handle certain situations. He's like, I was still like a friendly and social guy. Um, but if somebody came at him or if someone like even came up behind him, like he would get violent because he's like, you never knew what to expect in, in those centers or at the Dozier school. Sure. So. Makes sense. Right. Like, I just struggle sometimes. because It's like, is he learning how to cope with like cope with this and then deal with that in prison. Like they always say like, oh, we're putting kids into juvenile detention centers to try to like rehabilitate them. But it seems like that's not occurring in this situation. Well, you that's know? what they say about jail too. It's more right. about um, rehabilitation than retribution. And I'm right. not sure that that's exactly. So then we find out on February 9th, 2017, while Preston was in prison, his mother died of an overdose. Oh, he said it was a strange feeling. Like at first it didn't really register. And then when it did hit him, it was like uncontrollable crying. He said there was so much unspoken between them and so many things that needed to have been said that he never got the chance to. And he said he never told her that he was sorry and that he forgave her. But can I just say like one thing? And this doesn't necessarily apply to Preston. If I told um, you no, would you not say it? No, I'm still going to say it. So <laughs> I just feel like, and and sometimes it's different when it's like a father, I guess, or a mother. But like, why do we have to, why do we always have to say they're sorry or forgive someone who's been abusive? Sometimes you can say, fuck off. I never want to see you ever again. Like, I feel like so many times people are like, but it's a family member. You need to forgive them. No, I don't need to do anything. I think the idea is... To- the forgiveness is more for yourself yeah. to like let go of some of that inner stress right. and inner trauma 
I think that's the idea behind it. Not so much that you forgive the action or the person is that so you can move on. Yeah, that's true. But I guess I I think if you termed it differently. Yeah. And said you were letting go of it instead of forgiving them. Yeah. Uh, I think that m- might be. Yeah. Cause I just feel like sometimes it, in general though, like people will be like, well, it's your mother. You have to forgive them. And it's like, mm, mm, do you, do you? Well, we're kind of spiteful bitches. So I burn every bridge and I never rebuild it. Burn it down. Ugh. Anywho. Um, now here's one thing like I will say what? they show videos of Preston's mom on the show and his two other siblings with his mom. And they do seem like, unwell what do you mean like clearly they were all on something oh like really? you and, yeah like they so like disheveled yeah and i feel like if they were to come like if he were to get out of juvenile to prison and and be living with his mom like i could see where he would get keep going back into the, the same cycle type. yeah the cycle yeah. of it um so now and I'm just like, if he gets out, because this is before we found out his mom died. Like, if he got out, are they going to release him on parole to that environment? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so now his attorney finally says something that I've been thinking this whole entire time, what? which I just kind of, like, spoke about. If we're out here preaching that juvenile detention centers are supposed to rehab people and be a place of growth for kids, the state of Florida abdicated this responsibility because Preston is a product of Florida's juvenile system and it didn't do much to help him. Fair. Fair. Um, But Shaver says he doesn't hold it against people for not giving him forgiveness, especially Chris's family, but he does say he does feel remorse and he hopes to take steps to better himself. And he has been taking steps while in prison. He found Islam and he began to study um, that religion religion, and learn to promote peace, find tranquility in himself. He had to teach himself and to grow. And his family has said that they noticed that he's calmed down since when he first got into prison. He hasn't, he doesn't get into fights anymore and he has stopped arguing with others. So it just kind of jumps right into the day of sentencing. Okay. Um, what do you think happens? So this is the appeal sentence. Yes. Do you think that he should be let out? What do you want to happen? Well, now that I've heard more backstory about him, yeah. I think my opinion's changed a little bit. Okay. I think that I think he could deserve a second chance. Okay. So during the trial, we find out. I'm going to ask you a couple times, like, what do you think should happen now as we get further into the okay. trial? Okay. Okay. So during the trial, we find out that Preston had also admitted to his grandmother that he had been sexually abused by the people babysitting him while he was in, while like he was younger and his mom was always out. Um, but let's just say, like, the, he had said, like, sexually abused. He was raped by a 14 year old boy. And this was at a young age before he went to any of the juvenile detention centers. Um, And then they bring in a forensic psychologist, and she reported that due to this abuse in his home, which um, it said would impact his behavior, she says now that he's also – she's been meeting with Preston, and he now seems to know the consequences of his actions. And sometimes it's hard to see in a lot of adults, but Preston seems to be very self-reflective now. Okay. His trauma was very significant, but despite that – the rehabilitation process can be seen in him and it would be a mistake to keep him in jail and say he'll always be a menace to society. So while this forensic psychologist is talking, they sh- like they flash over to Chris's family who's in the courtroom and they're fucking pissed. Really? Yeah. So 
Then the prosecution gets up there and shows a picture of Christopher and explains that the effects on the family has uh, has been severe. Has been severe. His father has had two heart attacks that they kind of like associate with this, but I feel like I don't know. They say the 17-year-old young man made a choice. He took a gun to the robbery and shot and killed Christopher. Who he was in 2010 and who he is today is the same person. And they have records of this during his time in prison. Really? In 2011, on the one year from the robbery incident, while being led to his holding cell, he attempted to pull away in an aggressive manner and yelled out, Allah is coming to get you all. You all are evil fucking crackers. Mm. On August 10th, 2015, which was four years after, he had two contrabands, one toothbrush that he had sharpened into a very sharp point. And he tried to use that to attack another prisoner. On April 2nd, 2017, which is only like three years ago, he called a corrections... Um, he called a correction staff a very derogative name and yelled, I'm going to kill your kids and family. I will even kill you if I see you out on the streets. He then punched the correction staff in the face. And that just shows, they say like that kind of shows who he is and he hasn't grown from this experience. It's still battery. It's still assault. And that's in the most structured environment that he could be in. If he can't be let out, he'll keep this behavior. I feel like that kind of changes a little bit for me what i would think i don't know though like to survive in jail as that young like i don't know i still think i feel bad i feel like i feel for him a little bit like i guess the but i feel like if he really did like say he's changed and repented and he's nonviolent, and then within only yeah three i guess years you're right because he said like, he's nonviolent and found right. islam yeah I'm like, Ugh. Ugh, that, yeah, I don't think there's enough. Since it's so ambiguous, yeah. I would say no. It, so, since you really have to think about it. Because right. I think it's more like when it's cut and dry, it's right. obvious. Like this is like if it's if you're wavering, leave, I know. Them in. leave them in. So the judge releases everyone and starts reviewing the case. So what do you think happens? He lets them out. Two hours later, the judge comes back into court And he says the following. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. The court has considered the testimony from the trial and hearing today. The jury in this case found the defendant did discharge a firearm causing death. The defendant voluntarily and with enthusiasm participated in the planning and the robbery over a period of hours before the robbery was executed, which led to the death of Christopher Pitchcock. During the planning of this robbery, steps were taken to be certain the defendant would not be an would not by accident shoot the victim by removing shells from the chamber of the revolver. The defendant had to pull the trigger four times to fire the shots which killed the victim. The conduct of the victim before, during, and after the robbery and death demonstrated a level of maturity and rationality through criminal, though criminal, thought process. The victim was well-liked by the community, very close to his father. The victim's death deeply affected his father and continues, and his father continues to struggle to this day, being without his son, Christopher. Therefore, the, co- the court does adjudicate abju- you guilty of first-degree murder of Christopher Kitchcock by carrying and discharging a firearm causing death. The court sentenced you to life for the murder of Christopher Pitchcock. This is the sentence and judgment of the court. So he was... So he upheld the... He upheld the ruling. He let, he's life and sen- life in jail. Staying in sentence. Got it. Correct. Okay. 
Isn't that crazy? No. Oh, I, think, right. well, I, think, so? I don't think it's crazy. There, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's kind of rational. I yeah. Mean, so there were cheers everywhere from Preston's family, Christopher's family, and from Preston. But I guess I'm kind of confused. That sounds like the original verdict. It doesn't. It is. So they're they're up they're upholding the original verdict. Uh, like so, he was appealing that verdict. To I understand. Get, yeah. But the the way that you just read that, it sounded like that. It sounds like he was just the original verdict. It didn't sound like he was. Like he had updated anything. Oh, I don't. Like know he didn't sound like he sad. talked about him like anything that was new. It sounded like just like the yeah what would have happened at the original trial. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was word for word what he said. No, I, I get it. I kept my captions on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just. I mean, I understand. <laughs> but I, like, it's not like and now due to your past behavior and right, like, you know right. what I mean. It didn't yeah, seem yeah. like he was talking right. Like like it was updated. It sounded like it was just the original verdict to me. Right. Do you think this was vastly different from the last one? Yeah. Yeah, me I too. do. Because I think I would have kept him in jail. I think I they're no. It's so hard. I think. Well, I think they're left. They're left some room. Like I changed. Uh, like over the course of listening yeah. to you talk, I thought he there was some opportunity for him to Me get too. out if he was reformed. Yeah. But it seemed like he's still violent. Yeah. It doesn't seem right. like he's changed. And sadly, because he was raised the way that he was yeah. in that circumstances, he might not be able to be changed. I know. I know. That ugh, it's so hard. So is he the only one that this episode focused on? Yeah. They didn't oh, talk so about the They other didn't talk boys. about the other two? No. Oh, okay. I was because I was wondering if you're gonna get into the other ones too. No, and it's like, I did definitely they get could out? see did they, I could see them getting out because I could, they didn't So Tyree was the one that was just with them. Correct. I could definitely see but I mean just without knowing any other backstory, I yeah. could see him being right. let out. And like what happened with him in jail like you and I yeah. mean. Yeah. Prison hardens you, man. For sure. I mean, I will say, though, it didn't harden Therese Squidice. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it right now. Martha Stewart came out on the I was going to say, Martha Stewart came out on top. Killing it. These ones are so sad because they I feel like sad. there's no, like, justice. Either way, it sucks. You know what I mean? Because they end up spending so yes. much time in jail. Yeah. Yeah, or prison. Right. And it's like, it's not going to bring Christopher back, obviously. But no. it's like, you've lost two lives now, you know? Mm-hmm. Woof. Yeah. All right, guys. Let us know what you think. Yeah, what do you think? Would you ever give anyone the opportunity to get out of a life sentence? Yeah, do you think that... And Do you think they should even be offered parole? Or do yeah, you think wh- that they should stick, like keep their sentence? Do you think a juvenile should be sentenced to life? Ugh, let us know on our Facebook group. It just makes sense podcast discussion group. You can also follow us on Instagram at it just makes sense podcast. You can follow me at www salmon the buff. Follow me at Jeff Seif on Twitter. One F and Jeff. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. bye.